Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Birmingham, Alabama, it's time for Birmingham Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hello and welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Birmingham Business Radio. Today is Thursday, the 29th day of October, and we are broadcasting live from the beautiful headquarters of Warren Averitt offices here in Birmingham, Alabama. We've got a great lineup of guests, so let's get started to our interviews. Uh, first, uh, we have Amy Walker. She is in charge of business development uh, and a consultant here at Warren Averett Technology Group. How are you doing, Amy? I'm good. How are you? I am great. So thank you so much for joining us here today. Tell us a little bit about your role with the company here at Warren Averett. Well, I'm actually in a business development role, as you mentioned. And what I do is I represent three different areas of service that our technology group provides. Um, everything from software consultants who are able to work with accounting platforms and various areas that you might, applications that you might have technology related. Um, we have a, ho- a wide variety of security consultants that can do various compliance related infrastructure reviews. Um, you know, hack into your system ethically. And so you can see if a malicious hacker could do the same thing. And then also we look at infrastructure in general and just do traditional technology services. So what is one of the biggest weaknesses that you see uh, in the IT uh, world out there? Well, a lot of times it just comes down to simple policies and procedures. Um, companies have them, but maybe they haven't written them down. Maybe they haven't trained their employees on them. And so people, you know, have something go wrong and don't know who to call or what they should do that would be correct if they lost their computer, for instance, left it in an airport. Who do they call? Who do they tell? Uh, what's the next step? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So just having formal policies and procedures in place and really training your staff. And you're plugged into what is the latest uh, virus out there, the latest mm-hmm. security risk to your computers. I hear there's something called the crypto locker virus. Can you tell me about that? There is. Um, you know, they're always changing. Malicious uh, hackers have a lot of fun doing this kind of thing. But the crypto virus is actually one where um, they put a virus on, say, an email and you click the link. And once you click the link, then it encrypts all of the information on your computer and you're prompted with via a little cryptic um, prompt to enter your credit card information. And oh. if you want your information back, then you have to pay money for it. I don't think you should just unwillingly put your credit card information out there like well, that. There's people more do. than one problem with that. But yes, there- people do, do. You know, if you think about it, let's say an employee clicks that link, they encrypt information and then they think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. Right. So they pull out their credit card and they pay the information, you know, and, and so then there's another problem that they've just caused. So always, you know, tell someone to, that's, a, again, policies and procedures. It goes back to that original thing I told you. Yeah, right. And cybersecurity mm-hmm. is, um, you know, always changing, always evolving. Mm-hmm. Where do you go to stay updated on the, the latest virus out there or the newest technology that you can implement here at the offices? Well, obviously, you know, the Internet's a good resource of what is happening currently in the world. Um, for me, I have a team that I work with that's always kind of keeping me posted on the latest, greatest in order that I can communicate that to our clients. And so I try to do that. You know, there's various resources that um, people send monthly newsletters, you know, just things. Well, how like do you that. know those monthly newsletters are not sent by hackers themselves? Hey, hover over the link, yeah. see if it looks yeah. normal. Okay, <laughs> so you, you're just continually researching, educating right. yourself, being involved with a good team who mm-hmm. uh, is out there doing the same thing with their ear to the ground, listening mm-hmm. to what the world is doing as far as cybersecurity. Right. And one area that I would say we do really well with our clients is we actually have an email testing and training program. And so we will spoof 
an email that, for instance, comes from a CEO and is asking someone to do something that would contain, you know, proprietary information or financial information. And we see, do they click it? You know, do they click the link? Do they provide the information? And if they do, they're automatically enrolled in a training program. You know, they're sort of blacklisted like, hello, you need to be watching this. I see. Mm -hmm. So they don't, it's like a mystery shopper a little bit. It is. It is, except, you know, it's link related and it's things like, you know, I'm amy.walker at warrenaverett.com. Well, you might see an email come through from me. And if you hovered over it, you would realize it was amy.walkers. All right. And so it's little tiny variations like that that cause trouble that if employees are aware of it or they think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, somebody might be spoofing me, then they're they're more careful. Um, I was recently doing some interviews down at Pensacola last week and we were talking cybersecurity a lot uh, because of the naval community there. And they said that the bad guys are way ahead of us in cybersecurity mm-hmm. than we are uh, the good guys. Is that true? Well, they're going at it from an offensive perspective. This is all they do all day, every day. And we're going at it from a defensive, right. you know, and anytime you're going at it only that direction, it's a little bit tough. We aren't sitting around trying to figure out what they might figure out. So, right, so the best the offense is yes. a good defense. Correct. So they sh- we should spoof up our defensive uh, techniques mm-hmm. a little more to keep those uh, evil hackers at bay. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, that's what a traditional IT security group will do. Um, you know, we know what's coming. We have best practice processes in order to help companies prevent that. So, you know, we tell our clients a lot of times a proactive response is much better than a reactive response, and it's often less expensive. Very good advice. Uh, We're talking with Amy Walker. She's with Business Development Consultant here at Warren Avert Technology Group. Another buzzword that we keep hearing a lot about is social engineering. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that to our listeners? You know, this I actually find extremely creepy, so it is something I would like to explain. It's really where someone finds a hole in your infrastructure, in your organization's infrastructure, in your personal, you know, accounts, and they get inside of of your computer, let's say, and they really get to know you. They get to know what kind of language you use in your emails. They get to know what your wife's name is and what your latest vacation was. And then when it's time for a transaction to take place, or for instance, a wire transfer for a shipping container, you know, for a company, then what they'll do is they'll spoof one of those emails that I talked about and use that information that seems very credible, you know, very much like the language you've been using back and forth and says, by the way, we've been subject to an issue on our end, you know, we've been hacked, we need you to now transfer to a different account. Hmm. Well, it's so automatic to you because it sounds just like what you've been doing. They know mm-hmm. your wife's name, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's reasonable for you to do that. But there's been companies, you know, that we've worked with that have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars just because they weren't careful and they weren't proactive. So these guys are living in your computer. You don't Mm -hmm. know they're there. And then when you go to have a transaction of some kind, then they jump in and kind of take over. Right. And, I mean, we've run across people who have been hacked two years prior. And they sat around for two years kind of fleshing out information. Is there a way to tell now if someone is in my computer? Well, I mean, that sort of leads to one of the areas of services, uh, you know, a technology company like ours provides, and that's related to an IT risk assessment. Okay. And an IT risk assessment takes a look at those kind of things. Do you have any holes in your infrastructure? You know, are you using the latest, greatest technology? Mm -hmm. Is it configured correctly? Um, What are your access controls? You know, do your employees have phones? And if they do, are there passwords on them? I see. You know, so it's, and then that extends even more into compliance related areas like federal regulation uh, people who have federal regulation requirements it's called far um, health care you know mm-hmm. hipaa requirements mm-hmm. retail pci 
So there's various compliance areas yeah. that you have to take a look at and make sure as well. Well, there's been a lot of also a lot of talk about the EMV chipping for credit cards and debit cards now, um, but I've also heard that that's outdated in Europe already, and we're not even yet adopting it here in America. What are your thoughts along those lines? Well, you know, better safe than sorry, and it's a move forward. Yeah. So regardless, I mean, they've been using it for two decades, and, you know, in the U.S., we're just now adopting it, but mm -hmm. it is another step that creates difficulty for people with malicious intent, and so that can't be a bad thing. No, and, and the hackers are out there working to get into us uh, our information and such. So, and speaking of credit card and credit card transactions, mm -hmm. uh, what do you know about PCI? Well, PCI is a pair card industry. Um, basically, there's requirements called data security standards. So PCI DSS is something that we as a group work with regularly. It's a compliance area that touches a lot of other areas. You know, as a retailer going into Home Depot, swiping your card, you want to feel comfortable that you know, you know, you're not going to lose your information or mm -hmm. other organizations. Um, as a business, you want to make sure that, you know, for instance, in healthcare, HIPAA, that's very data rich information. So it has names, addresses, social security numbers, credit card information. Well, with relation to those standards, you just have to make sure that you're doing those compliance requirements that have been requested. And if you don't know them, then, you know, you need to get someone that does involved. Okay. And you mentioned a minute ago, too, about high IT risk assessment. You provide that here. Yes. Uh, if I needed those services, kind of walk me through how that would happen and, and who should I contact to get more information? Well, um, of course, I would be a good point of contact as a business developer, so mm -hmm. they can feel free to reach out to me. Any business? Any right? business, okay. yeah. You know, because you need an IT risk assessment regardless. You um, want to know that your infrastructure is latest, greatest, as you go into different compliance requirements, obviously that increases the level of security that you would have and we would take a deeper dive there. Um, but regardless, looking at your infrastructure, taking inventory of what you have or where you should be going, we make best practice recommendations and the organization comes away with a you know clean bill of health or a deficiency report with a roadmap and, and, and knowing how to fix that deficiency. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then we're able, you know, going forward, if they'd like our assistance, then we're able to offer that remediation or help with those services. Now, does that forward. take a long time to kind of figure out what they need or, or is it just a few days or can you do that in the afternoon or what? Um, you know, I would say you would take a full day to look at the okay. infrastructure, make your internal interviews. Um, we would walk away and take a look at what the information that we gained and make some recommendations and have those conversations. Then based on the recommendations, we create what we would call a prioritized approach mm -hmm. that says this is your most highly critical area all the way down to a you know, you can do it when you get around to it kind of thing. So yeah. so if you're a business owner out there or involved in an organization and you're concerned about your IT risk, uh, call Amy here at Warren Averett. She can uh, walk you through what it takes to kind of assess your IT risk mm -hmm. and put a plan together to uh, solve it or uh, strengthen it one way or the other. So Absolutely. Very good. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before uh, we uh, turn our attention to our next guest? I think um, I would just like to say if, you know, someone has a question in relation to IT, if they would like to reach out, please feel free. Yeah, and how would they do so? Your phone number, email, or web address? Email would probably be the easiest, and I mentioned it earlier, but it's amy.walker at warrenaverett.com. Not walkers? Not walkers. Okay. Don't do that. Amy.walker. <laughs> 
at warrenaveritt.com. All right, excellent. So thank you so much, Amy, for taking the time out of your busy morning to come here and join us on Birmingham Business Radio. I uh, look forward to hearing more great things from you and Warren Averett uh, uh, in the future. So right. enjoy you, the Warren. rest of your day. My pleasure. All right. I'll remind our listeners, you're listening to Birmingham Business Radio on Business Radio X. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Business Radio X. And today we're using the hashtag Birmingham Business Radio. All right. Our next guest is also with Warren Averett, and her name is Melanie Nichols. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, excellent. And you are Chief Investment Officer. Is that correct? That's correct. Please explain to our listeners what kind of role that is and what you do. Okay. That role really is not for Warren Averett, um, the accounting firm. It is for Warren Averett Asset Management, which is a separate company owned by Warren Averett that focuses on asset management for high net worth individuals, retirement plans, and institutions. Okay, so it's a service offered by yes. Warren Averett as a whole and another division within that co- corporation, uh, uh, Warren Averett Asset Management. That's correct. Right. And so um, you have some uh, clients that you're currently working with? We do. We currently manage about $2 billion in assets under management um, across the footprint that Warren Averett covers, as well as other states in the southeast. And we provide investment services and financial planning um, help for retirement plans, specifically 401k plans, for high net worth individuals, and then for some foundation and endowment clients. Uh, When you say high net worth, is there a minimum that I would have to have in the bank before I can come uh, have you look at my books? Typically, we work with clients who have liquid assets of about a million dollars or more. Okay. So anything more than that, you're welcome to call Melanie over here at Warren Averett Asset Management. and She can put together a plan uh, for the short term and the long term to make sure you're getting the most out of your wealth. Is that right? Absolutely. And I would say um, we do focus, obviously, on the investments. But what I think we do differently than most asset management shops is being tied into a CPA firm. We have a holistic approach. We focus on financial planning. We focus on taxes and estate work before we will create an investment plan because you can go out on the Internet and and pick some investments or pick a robo-advisor, but that doesn't really help you do what you need to accomplish and make sure you get the goals accomplished that you want to. But you don't have to be a client already of Warren Averett uh, CPA to use the asset management services. That's correct. But it is advisable to kind of have those together because like you said, as a holistic approach, you're able to look at somebody's uh, bank's uh, you know, uh, statements from beginning to end, from open to close, and, and get a good holistic view. That's correct. Uh, very interesting. And so uh, what are some of the challenges you see out there today dealing with uh, uh, some of these retirees out there in some of their portfolios? Well, I think it's a big challenge for folks who have already retired, and that group is part of a generation that was used to CD rates and money market rates that are considerably higher than what we have today. We have seen um, interest rates decline over the last 32 years, so many clients were anticipating retiring and being able to get a very safe return, call it 5% a year on CDs, and right now you can get about 0% on (laughs) CDs. So I think trying to help clients understand that the interest rate environment has changed and yet not let them take too much risk to put their portfolios at risk. Mm -hmm. So I think trying to set expectations to help clients figure out how to make their money last, even when they're not getting the interest income that they were expecting. Oh, that's a great point. And yeah, retirees these days are retiring later and later in life, but they still need more and more money to help them through those golden years. And so so some of them are taking on part-time jobs. Others are reinvesting some of their old investments into new, more uh, return on investments, uh, 
strategies in this day and age. And like you said, not the old-fashioned way is just not cutting it these days. So what are some of those uh, new ways that you're advising your clients to invest their money? I think some of it is just an educational shift where you have to inform a client that you're taking a total return approach. So instead of saying, um, I want to just collect the dividends on my stocks or the interest on my CDs and bonds, that you look at the whole portfolio. And so that's one of the reasons I think planning is so important to help a client understand how much can they withdraw from their account every year and make sure that they have money left for their life. The other challenge is that, you know, when Social Security was built and even when the 401ks came into play, we were not looking at life expectancies of, you know, 95 and 100. And so I think it's crucial to make sure you don't plan for just an average life expectancy, call it 85 years old, because there's a very good chance that you're going to live a lot longer than that. The other challenge that retirees are facing is how to make decisions about Medicare, how to make decisions about Social Security. Um, how do they incorporate that into their overall plan, again, to make sure that they have enough money for the rest of their life? A very good, insightful information. Um, I think you uh, are certainly helping these retirees, uh, you know, get their money together and figure out how much they need you know, to live out their longer, happier, healthier lives these days. Let's talk about another uh, segment of the population that's growing and uh, is a hot topic for everyone out there to kind of get inside their head, the millennials out there. Right. What's sort of advice would you give them uh, about investing at an early stage in their careers or lives? Well, surprisingly, millennials have very similar thoughts to um, the over 65 crowd is that they don't want to take a lot of risk. And the time you need to be taking risk, certainly in the equity markets, is in your 20s and your 30s. But that generation of folks have parents who lost a lot of money um, in the 2000 market blow up again in 2007. So they're concerned. So what we see with millennials a couple things. One, they're nervous about the stock market, even though with a 50-year time horizon, they shouldn't be too nervous about it. So they're scared to invest. They leave money in cash, and they're not taking planning for retirement very seriously because, again, they're they're in their early 20s. So one of the challenges we have is to try to um, help those folks know that the more you can save now, the earlier you get started and the more automatic you make retirement savings and emergency savings um, a part of your daily expenses versus I want that new car, mm-hmm. um, that will make a huge difference when they look around at age 40 or 45 and realize they have actually accumulated money. The scariest thing for me is to have a, a person come in my office and they're 40 or 45 and they say, okay, I'm ready to get serious about retirement planning. It is too late. That's me. It's, it's okay. I'm sorry, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, but it's it is okay. too late. No, I, I, um, I, my plan is just hopefully Social Security is there for me when I is that a good plan? That is not a good plan, Ryan. So well, you probably need to call me. I do. Well, I'm, uh, I'm working with a, uh, a burgeoning a radio company here and uh, working a lot on the road and, and trying to save my money where I can. But uh, yeah, I don't have a good plan for retirement or asset management. And uh, I, I guess that's my own negligence. But I guess I can come to your services, but I don't have a million dollars in uh, wealth. So um, what should I do? Well, there are a couple things you can do. Um, There are a lot of ways you can get started very inexpensively online. So I think for folks who are beginning investors to look at a company like a Vanguard or a Schwab or, you know, T. Rowe Price, a a reputable company, and just start doing it. So even at 45, if you are just getting started, you have to take that first step. You have to make yourself do it automatically. The, The best advice I can give anybody who needs to get started is 
start. Right. And <laughs> just do have it. the money taken out of your check every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Have it done automatically. Look at your retirement plan. And if you have an option to invest in a retirement plan, increase that at least 1% every year okay. until you are doing the maximum that the government allows you to do. And that just making it not ever the, letting the money show up in your checkbook yeah. will will make a big impact. It, but treating it almost like a bill pay every, yes. every month and putting money away just as you would pay your power bill or your water bill, put some money into your retirement fund, your your asset management uh a bucket so you can so have some money when you get right. older in life so I'll say the other thing that's challenging sort of not the millennials and not the retirees but folks who are um, late 40s early 50s who have kids in college um, our age group is finding ourselves in a couple of um, unique positions we have kids we might want to educate college wise and we feel very strongly that that's important and we have parents who are getting older who may need some financial support. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard not to um, want to do everything you can for your children. But if you have to pick, you've got to save for your own retirement first because kids can take out student loans. You cannot take loans out to retire. And so I always try to caution clients, yes, I know you want to save for retirement and you want to save for education, but your retirement has to come first. Well, very good, insightful information once again. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts as well on the business community here in Birmingham. Um, I know you've uh, been around and working in this area for a while, and uh, you've seen it kind of grow over the last few years. Uh, any thoughts along those lines? Specific to the the community in general? Yeah, the community of business community in Birmingham, very supportive. Um, not like Atlanta where it's so big and people kind of cut throat and don't want to help you. I, I get a different sense here every time I come to Birmingham that people know each other and they're generally uh, interested in helping out their neighbor. Right. I, I would say it's sort of a, um, a big, small town. And um, you're going to meet a guest in a few minutes who knows everybody, I think, in Birmingham. Okay. Um, but it is a, a very synergistic community. I think we do look out for each other. You, you see that when um, something bad happens in the community, everyone rallies around. You know, you don't feel like people are competing with one another. It's it's sort of an all for one. Something else about Birmingham is it's a very charitable town. Mm-hmm. Businesses are extremely charitable. Individuals are extremely charitable in, in trying to help mm-hmm. um, folks perhaps who are less fortunate. Very nice. Well, thank you for sharing that as well. Uh, Melanie Nichols, please tell our listeners how they can find out more information about yourself or your services here at Warren Averett. Great. Um, you can certainly look at warrenaverett.com and under services, asset management um, has a, a link. Our direct link for our um, subsidiary company is waasset.com, and they are welcome to reach out to me at melanie.nichols at waasset.com. I also see you're on LinkedIn, so people can find you there, right. connect with you there in a professional social media platform and uh, ask you questions or learn more about your services uh, because you, you really schooled a lot of us here today on what needs to be done uh, with your asset management. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for being here. And please stick around as we uh, get on to our next guest. His name is David Salters, and he is a CPA, but he's also Director of Staffing and Recruiting here at Warren Averitt. How are you doing, David? I'm great. How are you today? Excellent. Uh, enjoying our time here on Birmingham Business Radio. So uh, tell us about your role here with the company, please. I lead our staffing and recruiting affiliate. So much like Amy works in technology and Melanie works in asset manage- management, in Warren Everett Staffing and Recruiting, we help our clients uh, really wage the war for talent, helping uh, our clients find the perfect talent for their company so they can accomplish their goals. 
perfect talent. Uh, I think every company is looking for that out there. Um, but uh, what about the talent pool here in Birmingham? I got a, a rich, uh, you know, college uh, people here. You know, community of young people looking to want to start their careers. Do you pull on that pool? We absolutely do. So yeah. part of that, we do support our own company in terms of recruiting. So we're very active out and on college campuses really across the southeast. So we're uh, very engaged with campuses across the southeast with uh, new graduates, interns. Uh, in terms of what the employment market looks like in Birmingham, Birmingham is, is very representative of the rest of the country, which is we're about 5% unemployment. Uh, that's virtual full employment. In essence, everyone who really wants a job has a job. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of is it the job that they want. Right, right. And so uh, what type of talent out there, in your opinion, is the hardest to find? Any talent that um, holds a specific skill set, for example, in, in our firm, we, sp we have three specialties, IT, engineering, and accounting. So when there's any type of technical ability, a specialized degree or skill set, uh, unemployment is virtually zero uh, because there's a lot of really good people mm -hmm. who are hard workers. They just don't own a specific skill set. Um, and they have a hard time finding a job when times get lean. Right. Unlike now, it's, times are good now for, for uh employees looking for opportunity but it's really tough to find someone a good person in it a good person in accounting supply and demand is virtually upside down for those individuals now staffing and recruiting in-house here at warren averett is a, a different angle on this there's lots of firms out there who could do that what's the difference with having an in-house staffing and recruiting guy like yourself as opposed to using an outside organization well, I, I know I'm thankful that we have the firm here yes. to help us wage this war for talent. It, it's tough out there. There's a, there's a lot to offer. Um, if you're an accounting uh, employee and, and you're looking to start your career, I'm also grateful that, for example, Warren Averett has such a great variety of avenues that a young professional can take. So you're going to talk to Cecil in a minute about mm -hmm. transaction advisory services. We've heard from Amy and Melanie. And so beyond just having a great recruiting firm that's part of our company, really having a tremendous uh, multiple avenues to take your career is really great here at Warren Averett. Yeah, you want to get into a place that will support you and your professional goals as you grow, as the company grows, and not uh, just going to be in a, in a one-tier kind of uh, level where you may be stuck for years um, so um, and so what, what companies what do they need to do out there to get the word out uh, Warren Avid in particular to, to fill these positions that are in need well one thing that companies really need to do is come to terms with reality meaning it's you know, hard to do for a lot of people well it really is but you know since 2010 the unemployment rate has crept down and down and down so at the height of the Great Recession we were at around 11 percent unemployment mm -hmm. we're down around five percent now and it's happened at a really slow pace so people really haven't come to terms with that and you may have a, a, a really strong company owner president and they're really proud of the company that they've, that they've built and the culture that they've built and they think well you know what this is a really great place to work so a candidate really needs to earn our trust and and really take a risk to come to work for our company and that's just not true it's the not. reality is um, if they're a talented individual they already have a good job so the employee is taking the risk by mm -hmm. going to a new company so the first thing a, a client can do is understand the environment that they're in that supply and demand is not in their favor. It's in the candidate's favor. So therefore, you need to do what you need to do to make your your job, your company very attractive and give that top talent a good reason to take that risk and come to work for you. Mm -hmm. And what are some of those reasons here at Warren Averett? Why would somebody want to come here? What are some things that set uh, this organization apart from others out there that is trying to recruit the same talent? 
Well, you know, talent, good talent's looking for three things. They want to work for a great company. And more than ever, it certainly is. You can you can tell by the growth. You can really tell by the people. It's the mm-hmm. people who make us really great, right? Yeah. Uh, they're looking for opportunity, which I mentioned before, growth right? We're not an organization, right? We're not just a tax and audit firm. We we do a lot for our clients, and it's a real pleasure serving our clients in multiple ways. But they also look for a great boss, um, and that can be hard at a at a large organization. So when a client's looking, they need to ask themselves: Am I a great boss? Am I a great leader? Do I communicate well? You know, we talked about millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just so much more educated. They have so much more access to information. And so you, you have to really take it up a notch and educate and communicate well to, to these younger folks as well. And what about recruiting some of these more seasoned uh, career-minded folks out there? Do you take a different approach in finding them or recruiting them here to Warren Avert? Absolutely. And what we try to do is connect them with other seasoned folks here, and they can tell their personal story. There's nothing like a personal story to say, you know what, this is how I'm thriving here at Warren Averett. I made the change. I came over from another firm. And because of all the opportunities, the best thing we can do is is connect that person with someone who's been here for a while and share their experiences and share how they serve their clients. And that's the best way to attract that talent. That's a great insight information there. We find a lot of people are at a company for many, many years. It ends up becoming like a bad marriage in a lot of ways. It's it's easier just to stay in it than it is to get out. And so they are unhappy and they stay there. Uh, when if you just take your chances and get out there and, and get known, people will, uh, you know, recruit the good business and, and be part of an organization like Warren Averett. Absolutely. You know, we like to say we like to move someone's needle from unaware to aware that we exist and that there's opportunity. And we want the business community to know that we are looking for great talent. It's part of our business strategy. And so if you're if you're one of those people and you're you're stuck in that job, mm-hmm. take a look at our website. Give me a call directly and we can talk about your career. Uh, there just might be an opportunity for you here. Are you actively out there at job fairs, career expos, uh, things like that? We are. We're, we're at job fairs, uh, like I said, everywhere from the campus level. Um, all the way up to industry specialty mm-hmm. uh, job fairs. We sure are. We have uh, we have road warriors. Literally, they're out there uh, talking to candidates on a, on a regular basis. That's great. And if someone wants to come at Warren Averett, you got offices all over the southeast, right? So they can choose where they want to go or wherever that position may need to be filled. Yeah, that that goes back to the the variety in the career path. So not only are we not just a tax and audit firm, we have all these service lines to help our clients, but we have multiple locations. So you know, if you're if you're a beach guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and and, and you want to uh, when when work is over, stroll right out to the beach. We have Destin and Fort Walton, and we have Tampa. I would never get any work done if That's I right. went down you, there. <laughs> you you want to live in a bigger city? We have you know we have Atlanta, so right. we have our corporate headquarters here in Birmingham. And for those who like more rural areas, we have Coleman and Anniston. So it's we have a, an opportunity for almost anyone who would like to take a look at a career here. Well, we certainly encourage our listeners to reach out to David Salters. Uh, he is with Warren Averett in the recruiting and the staffing firm. If they wanted to do so, how would they do? Uh, get more information about what jobs are available or how to apply for a job well if they'll go to wastaffing.com we have all of our positions listed and available there and they can reach out to me directly david.salters at warrenaverett.com i also see you're on twitter people can follow david underscore salters that's correct if they want to hook up with him on the social media stratosphere um, or on linkedin as well david salters is there as well so please do reach out to him if you're looking for work or want to know more information about warren averett staffing and recruiting he or part of his team would be happy to talk to you so thank you so much david for taking the time out of your busy schedule i know you got to go out there and start recruiting some more folks today so uh keep up the good work and again thank you for taking the time to speak with us my pleasure all right and remind our listeners you're listening to birmingham business radio make sure you're using uh the hashtag birmingham business radio on twitter and you can follow us at business radio x 
These interviews and more will be housed uh, on our website, birmingham.businessradiox.com. So make sure you go check that out when you get time. And now it's time for our headliner. You're going to take us home here, Mr. Cecil Bastani. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. How about you? I'm great. And this is your second time visiting with us here at Birmingham Business Radio. How'd you enjoy your first visit? Uh, it was exciting. Yep. Um, just about as exciting as this one. <laughs> it's, it's so exciting, I can't stand it. And we were at Innovation Depot last time, is that right? We were. And you have clients out there? Got a lot of clients. I'm on the board at Innovation Depot. You are. And how's that role been for you? It's been very good. We have such a robust economy, uh, not only here in Birmingham, but Alabama and the southeast where our footprint is. So uh, watching companies grow is, is kind of what we enjoy. Right. And from what I understand, you're the man in town here. You're the guy everybody knows or everybody knows you. Is that, is that right? That's what everybody says. Right. I'm not sure that's really true. But, so if uh, I know you, then I know it's like New York. You know, once you've made it there, you made it everywhere. So I've met Cecil. So I've met everybody in Birmingham. Well, I hope that's right. <laughs> right. So that's good. Um, so let's talk about your role here with Warren Averett and how you're changing the world. Well, one of the things that I wanted to kind of look at today that's uh, maybe different and, and a little more up-to-date than uh, maybe other other firms that are out there uh, is this idea of what's going on in our economy. And, and if you've listened to the people that have talked today, one of the key things that keeps coming out is plan. You know, mm-hmm. do you, you know, so do you have a plan? So if you're in business and you're looking at what the economy looks like today, you, you fall into some interesting categories. We talked about millennials. We talked about other things. But right now I want to focus on baby boomers okay? because we're in a very unique time with a lot of companies, a lot of successful companies in the southeast, not just here in Birmingham but all over. Some of them have uh, headquarters here. Some don't. Some have just offices here. But what we've seen a lot in the last uh, maybe two years are a lot of uh, companies that are owned by millennials, and they're trying to figure out what what's my plan to do whatever it is I'm trying to do. Am I going to retire? Am I going to sell my business? Am I going to turn it over to the next generation? And what we find a lot of times is there's not a plan. Mm-hmm. And so we put together a team of people, and we work in an area called Transaction Advisory Services. It's a fancy name to tell you that we've been doing something like this for a long time, but it makes it easier to understand that if I'm looking at trying to do a transaction – you need some help. Uh, so we focus on how to plan for a transaction and whether you're going to sell your company or you're going to move it down to the next generation, there's planning that needs to be done. So what, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was just the fact that a lot of companies have been selling and there's two kinds of buyers out there. Uh, right now, you can what, what you've used to seeing or, and what you may hear in the papers and on the, uh, the radio are companies buying other companies. And a lot of times, it's I think today they, they had an announcement about two pharmaceutical companies that are looking at buying each other or merging together. Those are strategic buyers. And, and there's a lot of them out there, and, and they're running the market up because they want to try to grow, and they're willing to pay a lot of money to do that. Yeah, I heard a story yesterday that IBM bought the Weather Channel. Right. And that's pretty big news. And they wanted them for their data that they have. And where they take it from there, who knows? But uh, that's a big – so that's a strategic uh, plan there. Right. And, and, and that's an IT play as well. And, and that is one of the hottest areas, whether it's IT healthcare or IT for the Weather Channel. Weather Channel is an interesting group because 
if most most people don't realize it, but every weather channel you get, whether it's on the the news or mm-hmm. on on the local stations, get their information primarily from the weather right, channel. Right, the iPhone app that has weather uh, it comes from the weather channel app. Right, we had them in the studio recently in the Atlanta, uh, Sandy Springs studio. So uh, we talked to the uh, one of the developers of the app. Uh, number three downloaded app of all time is Absolutely. the weather channel app. So good stuff. So what was the other type of buyer out there the other, that you're seeing? Yeah, the other buyer is a private equity firm. And and those are companies that uh, they go to people and say, look, you've got so much money and you ought to have a segment of your money or an allocation of your money that goes into a little bit more different kind of investments. So you're not looking for a short term return. You're, you're going to hold on to it for three to five years, maybe seven years. And then you you can buy a company, flip and, and you make money for other people. So private equity firms have been out there for a long time, but they're. They're really uh, a lot more today than there ever have been, and they've got a lot more money than they've ever had before. So what we find is that there were a lot of people um, really from 08 on that were kind of holding on to their money. Now they want to put it in place and, and try to make it work for them. So a lot of private equity firms have got what, what's known in the industry as dry powder. So they've got money that's not being used. Dry powder. Dry powder. Okay. So uh, knowing that there's dry powder out there, knowing that strategic buyers are out there running the price up, the private equity firms are under a lot of pressure to, to raise their prices so they can buy some of these companies. Mm-hmm. So we, we focus on both of those on, on the buy side. So if, if there's a private equity firm or a strategic buyer who wants to buy a company, a lot of times you've got to go in and do some due diligence, understand what, what the company does, look for areas of risk mm-hmm. so that you can help a, a buyer decide, is this a good opportunity for them or not? And we do a lot of that work. It can go anywhere from uh, finding out if they've, uh, if they're keeping their accounting records properly all the way to possibly whether they've got good credit and are they, are they a good credit risk? Because a lot of times, the private equity firms or the strategics are going to either have some component of a borrowing in there and a bank somewhere is going to say, oh, I need to know more about it before I can make a decision. So we work in that area quite a bit. On the sell side, it's it's a, even more interesting because you're you're if you're representing a seller and we the market that we're in right now has a lot of middle market. So these are companies that are not mom and pops. They've grown up, but they're not public. So they're they're kind of they're in what we call middle market, and those companies are the primary focus of a lot of the private equity firms mm-hmm. and some of the strategics. And so what we try to do with the with those companies is help them plan for a transaction, and that's really where you can provide value. So we we actually call that that area a value creation area because you when you come into a company, if I'm a buyer and I'm looking at a, a middle market company that's run by a millennial or a uh, uh, a baby boomer, and, and maybe he's got a millennial son that he wants to turn it over to, son or daughter. Uh, you, you have to really look at the company and decide, is this a good risk for me? And so when a, when we work with those kind of companies, we will come in and say, look, if, if we're doing due diligence from a buy side on you, here are the things we're going to be looking at. And to the extent that you don't pass, we want to help you shore that up so that when it comes around and you're ready. It's very hard once you decide to sell a company to get ready within a, a short period of time. So this is a two- to three-year process in a lot of cases, and if you can get in there in, uh, three years early, you can really have a, a pretty good impact. The reason that's important, there, there's really two things going on here. One is when a due diligence team comes in from a, a buyer, they expect answers, and they expect them pretty quickly. So the extent you can't answer questions quickly, it gives you a bad vibe a little bit, and so the uh, the buyer might 
notch down the value that they're willing to pay for that company. Uh, the other thing is Would time. you call that a deal killer? Well, you're looking for a deal killer when you're on the buy side and you're doing due diligence. So okay. that, that is really what you're looking for. So let's say you look at uh, one particular area and it takes them a week or two to answer the question. Well, that just makes you worry about, well, what else can't they do? Right. So being prepared, having good accounting and, and not just accounting, but their systems, having secure uh, online presence, being able to uh, a lot of the things we talked about, have good money management, have good recruiting skills, all of the things that make a company a, a good company is what we're looking for. And so we try to help the company identify those things. And the deal killer part of this is time. All right. Time kills every deal. Mm -hmm. The longer it takes to close a deal, the less a buyer is interested because they have other opportunities and they, they really look at how long is it going to take me to and how much time and effort am I going to plan to, to work on this company. So if you're not ready a lot of times you're, you're going to get left behind. Right. So there's a lot of moving parts, and you need to have a plan in place uh, because it takes some time to put that together, but you don't want to take it too much time because it may end up being a deal deal killer. Um, and you and your side, you represent buyers, you represent sellers, so you get to see both sides of the fence um, and some of those mistakes that they make along the way. We've seen them all. You have seen them all. Right. So any one of those truly big uh, red flag mistakes that you see that people make time and time again that you would love to uh, tell them, please, uh you know, fix this before you even try to sell or buy. Well, one one area that comes up quite a bit, and it's it's, I mean, it's a simple area, but it, people don't put a lot of, um, I guess, focus on it, and it's, it's their accounts receivable. So if I'm in business, I collect money for the services or the products I sell, and the more diligent I am about collecting, the better I'm, I'm going to be. We we actually had a company that uh, had been in business was extremely profitable, and a private equity firm was interested in buying them. We got in, and we found that they had a very strong market in in the industry they were in in their particular location, and they were pretty much the market leader. And again, they're making a lot of money, but what we found was their average accounts receivable, and and this is hard to imagine. That's pretty much an extreme, but the average accounts receivable collection was one year. If it takes you a year to collect your receivables, right? All right. So what's the what's why is that happening? And and so we really dug a lot deeper and looked at some of their customer base, and these are customers that have been around for fifteen years in some cases. And what we found was that that was their business strategy: <laughs> wait to pay the bill, let them ride me as long as they can. And the private equity firm said, you know, that's not going to be a. a, a strategy we can leverage off of yeah and they they walked away from it's it it's almost that bury your head in the sand kind of strategy and how well is that working right? exactly right. And, and one of the keys to to our due diligence services one thing that we think is is very unique about our, our approach is we will sit down with the buyer after they've made a decision to, to get enter into a letter of intent with a company and we will look at their balance sheet and income statement and some of the uh, the buyer's research that they've already done and say, all right, let's let's look for the risk areas and let's actually prioritize those because if we find a deal killer mm -hmm. early, mm -hmm. we stop. You do. And, and you don't waste a lot of effort, money, time. Right. All of that adds up after a for while. For everyone, not just your your services, but the buyer, the seller, everybody. Exactly. And and one of the, one of the best uh, examples of that, there's a private equity firm I visited with not long ago, and they're a typical private equity firm. They're, they look at 300 deals a year, but they're only going to do 10. Hmm. And so the, the time frame to shorten that look before you make a decision is pretty important. That's money. 
Uh, and it also could mean that you miss the opportunity if you're wasting time on one that, that goes too far. Very good. So uh, very good information. Certainly sounds like you've got a lot of balls out there juggling all at once, trying to keep things going on. Um, how do you keep it all straight? And, and what's kind of like the motivation for you uh, on a daily basis to keep going? Well, I, I, I'm lucky because I get to do what I like to do every do. day. But, but what makes it really work are the people that we have. So the team that's helping you and the team that's here at Warman Averett kind of driving these businesses. We, we go out, we recruit A-plus talent. Yeah, it's the only way we can get David it. does that. David does that, yeah. and he does a good job at it. We right. help a little bit. Good. You've got to have somebody that somebody wants to work with. Right, right. And and so you, and the team that's helping you and, and keeps you uh, going forward and, and uh, doing good things. Absolutely. Well, very good. Well, uh, Cecil Bastani here with Warren Averett. Please reach out to him if you have questions. Um, you can go to Cecil.Bastani at WarrenAverett.com. Um, also, you can follow um, the organization here at Twitter, at Warren Averett. Any other ways folks can connect with you? I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And uh, that's Cecil Bastani. I spell B-O-S-T-A-N-Y. Um, also, it's listed here. He's a member in the tax division, leader in the life sciences and technology practice group here at Warren Averett CPA firm. So thank you so much, Cecil, for taking the time out to visit with us today here on Birmingham Business Radio. Uh, and thank you to all of our guests, uh, Amy Walker, Melanie Nichols, and David Salters, all representing Warren Averett here this morning on Birmingham Business Radio. Uh, so we look forward to uh, talking to you all again next time through. And thank you to everyone here. If your company is out there doing something to generally serve your market, your community, or your profession, reach out to us directly on the website at businessradiox.com. On behalf of Stone Payton and Lee Cantor and the entire Business Radio X network, I am Ryan Redhawk McPherson. We will see you on the radio. 